Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome in to another Sunday side session. I am Mike Schaefer, and joining me this week, the guest co-host from 93.7 The Ticket, also a soon-to-be graduating journalism student, Nick Sainert. Nick, how are we doing on a Sunday morning in October? Pretty good, pretty good. I, I can't complain too much. Yeah, so let's just uh, let's just dive right into this. Nebraska loses 43 to 37 i almost said 36 that missed extra point was so weird at the end of the game like all i could think about is oh this is perfect for anybody that has 13 and a half right now uh i was just gonna say i mean that 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 was there were a lot of people that were worried about the spread in that situation if if purdue either was able to score a touchdown or or another one on top of it but it ended up being still just six yeah and then nebraska of course cuts it to a six-point game but that is as close as they could get it Nick, if you can kind of put yourself back in the frame of mind, Nebraska comes out of halftime, they get that score. Mm-hmm. Were you, I mean, they were, they were down 14 going in, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was just sort of your, your thought process? Like, okay, they've kind of been a second half team the last couple of weeks. Did you think they had it in them against this particular Purdue Boilermaker team? Uh, based on kind of what they've done in, in previous weeks and what you saw in the first half? Well, I think coming into this, we knew that Purdue was going to be the best team overall, both offensively and defensively, that Nebraska faced over the last you know two weeks or now three weeks, including the Purdue game. Um, but I, I think when they came out, and I think that drive lasted just over a minute. It was like four plays long. Um, I thought to myself, like, okay, they we've seen them be able to make a couple halftime adjustments in previous weeks. We know what the defense has done in, in previous weeks as well. But once again, it was one of those things where I was like, all right, I need to see how the defense plays, especially after a pretty disappointing first half from that defense. Um, I mean, because you could go back to the Rutgers game even and say the first half was was somewhat uh, disappointing for the defense. 
but then they made a big adjustment. But last night was a whole nother level for me. I mean, there was a lot of missed tackles uh, initially, right? And and I saw the PFF grades came out this morning and it was like, you know, Quentin Newsom had to play all 103 snaps and Garrett Nelson's playing 80 plus snaps of 100 plays. And it's just like, th- those are not um, some, some, you know, ingredients for success, I suppose. But I mean, give Nebraska credit. They found something that was working with Trey Palmer and they continue to go for it. But then there's also that, okay, are, are we concerned about Nebraska being able to sustain drives in the near future? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair question because Nebraska, they they got that stop after their initial score in the second half. And it's like, okay, they go down and they score. They have a real chance of making this a game. And it was like a 22-second total drive. Like they yeah. had one drive, three plays. Pretty sure Casey got uh, had a sack uh, or took a sack in it early on. And they basically just had to punt because there was no way they were getting the first down. And the whole thing took 22 seconds start to finish. Little time off the clock, which works in your favor if you're always trailing, but also sort of hurts in terms of total time that your defense gets to try to rest up to to come back to play. So um, Nebraska's offense and defense have not played particularly complimentary football uh, for really the last five years. So that's that's not anything particularly new. But it just felt like whenever Nebraska needs kind of that drive to to either kill the clock while holding a lead or to give their defense a chance to just kind of catch its breath, they just don't seem to – it's like it never lines up just right. Like they'll have these sort of methodical, impressive, workmanlike drives at other points, but not ever quite when it just seems like it would have been very fortuitous to get your defense some rest – and if nothing else, just put pressure on Purdue by pushing that ball to the middle of the field instead of punting into a short yarded situation. It worked out. I believe that was followed up by the missed field goal. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just one of those things where, you know, we talk field position with special teams all offseason. The offense plays a role in that too. I mean, there's just there's a lot of just boom bust potential. And when they bust, it just sets up a defense that really, frankly, needs help more than it, it needs to be put in back in the wall situations as it has a lot in the last month. I, I, when you bring up, like, it's interesting complimentary football. Cause that, that was a big discussion on, on my post game show on Saturday night after the game, because it was like, can you really blame the offense for putting up 37 points against a, a def- a big 10 defense? Because 37 points should be plenty to win a big 10 West yeah. football game. And, and we understood like going into it, Purdue is quick to give up on the run. Like if it does not work for Purdue, it, they 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 have no problem having Aiden O'Connell throw the ball fifty plus times, and yet they still did, even when they ran for what was it, two hundred seventeen rushing yards as a team. So it, it's just it was kind of frustrating because you came out of that game, or at least I did, I, I should say, going Nebraska. I guess you know kept going to the the deep play with with Trey Palmer, and it worked, and they scored thirty seven points out of it. And Trey Palmer had a, had a fantastic game with, with a new record for, for Nebraska. But, man, you would have really liked to see a little bit of push, just a little bit of push from that offensive line and a little bit of help for Anthony Grant because it's hard for me to put the blame on Anthony Grant when he has to dodge one or two tackles following he, right as he gets the football. It's just not fair to him that he has to dodge one or two tackles in the backfield and because you're already step, starting two steps behind 
the line of scrimmage. And it's just, you're asking your running back to do a lot. And it's just because the offensive line just can't get any push um, against the front four of, of Purdue at all. No doubt about it. I mean, Anthony Grant, I think, only had 11 carries for 36. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I think it was 11 for like 36 yards or somewhere in that neighborhood. And we've seen him be a more effective player. But if this iteration of Nebraska simply can't get a push over the next five games that it plays, Anthony Grant's value is lessened because the Huskers are just going to rely heavily on having to move the ball through the air, which brings me to this question. What percent health do you think Casey Thompson has right now? If 100 is everything is, you know, rainbows and unicorns, yeah. do we even think he's over 65% right now? The passes, I, I don't. The passes look bad. Like, they, mm-hmm. like, even at times yesterday, they almost sometimes lacked zip on him. And it's not that he can't throw, you know, uh, a ball just beautifully on the dime. We've seen it. But – some of the throws coming out of his hand yesterday were really, really ugly. And I get, like, look, yeah, he doesn't have clean pockets. He's had the crap kicked out of him. But this is gets to be a little bit of a, you know, the bye week comes at a huge time because they got to try to get healthy, and that's a big problem. But Casey Thompson specifically, do you think he's anywhere over 80% for the next five games? No, no, I do not. Um, And, and the, the, at the moment that I heard his quote from last night's press conference after the game, where he said something along the lines of, obviously this last week I was focused on Purdue, but I couldn't help to think about the following week and having a bye week and having a week off. Um, I just thought that was really telling because he has not been shy over the last you know month or so talking about how many injuries or how many times he's gotten up slow and been like, man, I just don't feel, don't feel good. And it's just compounding one thing onto another. Um, and there were a couple, there were a couple times last night where, when I saw, you know, Purdue, there's one vividly in my mind. I think it was the, the one uh, on the drive that we were talking about in the third quarter, their second drive of the game, where he kind of got drove down to the ground a little bit, and and he took a shot right in the chest. It was yep. helmet to chest. It was a, great it was a clean hit, I suppose. Um, but that's the one I remember vividly, where it's just like he's got shoulder issues. He's got the, I mean, there's thumbs, there's jaw, there now there's like just midsection like it's just one thing after another and I, I like I have no problem thinking that he's probably about 60 percent I think that's where I would fall in that in that discussion as well um and, and like last night on a couple of his throws like you said Schaefer like they were not impressive they were not pretty um a couple of them were quacking on the way through the air <laughs> and at, at I like first, more than a couple at, yeah at first I was like man what's what's going on with Casey because um you know, we're, we're not necessarily accustomed to seeing that time and time again. But as I was sitting here watching the game unfold, I thought, man, how many shots has he taken on his arm, on his shoulder, where it can be sore, it can be hurting, and it just does not feel good coming out. And so I think that plays a part into it, as well as, you know, like you said, clean pockets or lack of uh, clean pockets. And it's just one thing onto another um, that, that Casey Thompson has to deal with. And, and I've continued to think this over the last couple of weeks. It'll be a great day in Nebraska football when they don't have to rely on a quarterback that can scramble to win football games. Because, I mean, you think Casey Thompson scrambled yesterday, and, and that was in a play where the left tackle and right tackle both got obliterated yep. within a matter of a second. And it's just like it, it'll be a great day when Nebraska football 
and their their quarterback doesn't need to rely on their feet to win football games or stay healthy, I should say. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it a step further. It'll be a great day when Nebraska can have a football season in which its quarterback isn't a complete mash unit of his own because of poor offensive line play and leaving him out to dry. So, uh, you know, with, with Adrian Martinez, it was always a conversation about how many hits he took as a runner. Casey Thompson doesn't even run that much, and it feels like he's taken half as many hits, uh, and they're equally as crushing because they're just coming from 300-pound guys getting full heads of steam because Nebraska's turnstiles at tackle. I mean, it's just I, – I like, I've watched a lot of Nebraska football, um, and unfortunately for me, most of it hasn't been particularly good as of late. But – and not just me, everybody. This offensive line – I mean, there's – there's no answer. Like there's not, there's not a single thing that I can say that they haven't already thought of to try to do uh, for this team right now. Like it's, I, I cannot remember an individual unit that is this defeated with so many games left to play where you're just kind of like, yeah, I mean, they're just going to throw them out there and try to survive. Yeah. Hope, hope for the best. Like, I would say this. I don't think they have a true offensive tackle on their roster. Or a guy that should be playing offensive tackle on their roster. Probably Prohaska. Um, so, but, but then he, now he's, mean, he's banged up yeah. now. Right. And so yeah. it's it's just, it's frustrating. And, and like, we've had the conversation multiple times on my show, and especially on post-game shows, because the offensive line is is definitely a talking point. Um, that, that it's one of those things where this is not, in my mind, a Donovan Riola problem. This is a year after year not focusing and making the offensive line a priority. Um, or once guys get into the program, 
uh, like lack of development becomes the, the talking point. And the, the four star, you know, Turner Corcoran, I, I want to say he was a top 70 player in the country coming out of high school. He was Kansas. A top 45 player. Okay, perfect. So even more, so even more like, I think it was one of those things like looking back now, it would have been great to be able to get his feet under him and develop him maybe not in a game time situation or on the field setting. But Nebraska was in a situation where they had to throw him. They had to throw Brett Ben Hart out there relatively quickly because they just had no answers before. And and so where it's this like kind of re- recurring cycle where you get these guys into the program, whether it's through the transfer portal, whether it's through um, high school recruiting, that you throw you have to throw them out there before they might be ready. And that just hurts their development and their progress throughout their entire career. And it, it's just like, once again, I just have a hard time putting the bulk of the blame on Dylan Riola or excuse me, Donovan Riola here, because he was kind of handed this mess. Now, to a certain extent, I say there's been little to no progress from week zero to week eight. Um, it's so it's that, only been regression. That's exactly that would be my it, biggest. That's and that's that's where I think it could fall on Donovan Riola. But in, in the grand scheme of things, looking big picture here. I truly believe that this is a problem that that stems back from years and years of of not really making the offensive line a, a true priority, um, either in recruiting or I should say um, in, in the transfer portal. Yeah, I would push back slightly because I know that the Scott Frost model when they got here, they wanted to build mm-hmm. up the offensive line. You could make the argument that their evaluation combined with their development. Yeah isn't as reflective as the effort that they put in, but they went and they got a lot of their top line targets. They did. Those guys just haven't been good as my dog yeah, so plays I, with a uh, squeak toy in the background. So just, you know, that's okay. No, no, I, I think that that would, that would be a better way I suppose to, to character or classify it as, as evaluation. Um, but it's just kind of, it, it's frustrating. And I, I, and like, I, I hurt for Casey Thompson in a way because like you said, Shafe, like, he, he just stands back there. He's not as mobile as Adrian Martinez is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a sitting duck, but he sits back there and the, the pocket encloses on him within a matter of seconds. And Nebraska, I mean, maybe that's in part of their offense line, but also wide receivers not getting open. Like there's a lot um, to that goes into making a successful play. And it's just, it's frustrating because as you said, it's they, they've regressed, if anything, from week zero to week eight. I can't hear you, Schaefer. There Muted myself because of my dog's <laughs> tweet toy and then uh, forgot to unmute myself. All right. Now that we move on from that, I, I think it's a combination of, of several things with the offensive line. One, they haven't gotten the right technician to sort of unlock some of the talent that made some of these guys highly regarded in the first place. Two, I don't know that they've identified or been able to um, – determine what it is that they need at each individual spot on the offensive line. I mean, I I think they have an archetype, but that doesn't, you know, choosing to be six foot seven, 315 pounds and making that the whole defining point of who plays tackle or guard or whatever for you isn't quite the same thing as deciding the traits that you need to, you know, play that position. So I, I think they've, they've struggled marrying those two things. It was the most important hire for Scott Frost to make, and he utterly failed. I mean, I yeah. and look, it's not it's not all Donovan Rayola. He was handed 
a sack of crap and told to make it better. And it's not, and that's not necessarily his fault. And he was put in a position that frankly, he was never ready for. I mean, it it was discussed at the time. It's very apparent now, like if you at least have a veteran offensive line coach, maybe he has some experience in seasons like this that he can rely on to try to help bring this together. Rayola can't. And that's that's not even important anymore because he's not going to be Nebraska's offensive line coach next year. But what is important is trying to figure out how you can salvage what's left of the season that these guys, and a lot of them, I mean, maybe, maybe they're going to look to try to find a fresh start somewhere else. Chances are these are going to be similar names that you're going to hear next year. So these next five games, it's imperative for guys like Ethan Piper or Brant Banks or Turner Corcoran or Bryce Benhart or Henry Lutovsky to get the most out of what they can and to continue to try to just get better each and every day. Like there's Mm -hmm. the, the toughest task for Mickey Joseph, I think is to keep guys from sort of starting to look around and wonder, all right, it's another lost season. What are we doing here? Because if if you recruit the roster, if you can get guys to focus on their own individual development and focus on what they can do as an individual to get better, to help themselves for the future and to help the team in the present, that has to be the route that you go. Because I, I just don't, if it doesn't go well against Illinois, your backs are completely against the wall as you go into a November stretch that featured better teams than what you've played. And you've yet to prove that you can beat one of those teams. So it's a, it's a really, really tough task, and that's independent of everything else that's going on with Mickey Joseph, who continues to seem to be the people's choice uh, for Nebraska's next coach. What What do you make of that? I mean, you do a you do a post game call and show. How much of that was the, the conversation last night? So, I, I mean, like when you, when you bring up that the, the head coaching discussion, I, I just kind of told Husker fans last night to live in the moment because you're at this place where if you would have thought, you know, back on September 11th when when Scott Frost was was fired, the the initial names came out the the Matt Campbells, the Dave Arandas, the Lay, uh, Lance Leipolds, those names came out, and now here we are a month and a half later, or I guess a month later, and it's you're not hearing Dave Aranda. You're not hearing Matt Campbell anymore because they're losing games. And now you're hearing Matt rule. And and so it just, that like that goes to show that it's just going to be a regurgitating cycle of, of names where in three weeks here, if Dave Aranda goes on a hot streak, it's going to be, Oh, Dave Aranda, maybe he should be the next head coach. And it it, frankly, and you know, this Schaefer from being in the business, it's going to kind of get exhausting kind of talking I mean, about it already has it already has and we're not even we're not even there yet we're not even to a spot where nebraska would be able to name their next head coach publicly and so it's just like one of those things where i kind of told husker fans like the listeners last night live in the moment i suppose last night um despite the loss like there was it was apparent to me that mickey joseph was still co- coaching his butt off on the sideline um like Miles Farmer went into the tent early into the game, I believe, or, or at some point in the in the middle of the game, and he went to the back of the tent and and he was talking to Miles Farmer and he was he was right there in the offensive circle with Mark Whipple, and like he like he was not just standing on the sideline as a, a normal interim head coach would do, and so like when we look at this, I, I guess I, it's just 
live in the moment for right now. And then once you get to the Wisconsin game and the Iowa game, then I think the conversation really gets interesting because you have a full season, not, or, you know, a half of a season, I should say, to evaluate Mickey Joseph. And you also have a full season to evaluate other coaches that potentially could be the, the next head coach in Nebraska. What do you think Nebraska can get out of this bye week besides getting healthy? Is there any other thing that you would be looking for specifically as they play um, Illinois here in a little less than two weeks? I would say uh, right off the bat, I, I, like I'm not worried. One thing I will say is I'm not worried about energy levels. Knowing Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush, I'm not worried about energy levels and them being able to get these guys to play hard. However, um, one thing that the, the biggest concern for me or, or one thing that I will definitely want to watch against Illinois is tackling. Um, once again, and that's been a common discussion point because Nebraska missed a lot of the initial tackles last night, especially on checkdowns. Aiden O'Connell sat back there and, and kind of picked you apart with little dink and doinks um, throws, whether it was to Payne Durham a couple times. Um, and I will say, side note, they, they shut down Payne Durham. Yeah, that to was a certain impressive. extent last night. Like th- I was not, I was worried that if if Purdue was able to establish a run game, which they did, that Payne Durham was going to kill Nebraska down the seam. But uh, luckily, that that was not a part of the game. However, they would throw out to the flat and Maccabi, or um, I'm, I'm escaping on the uh, the back of King Daru, King Daru, um, in, in the flat. Nebraska would have one guy there but he would miss a tackle two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And then you'd have another guy miss it four yards past the line of scrimmage and it turned into an eight yard game. And it was, it's frustrating because you're pounding the table and pounding your fist. Like that should have been a two yard loss or it should have been a four yard gain, but instead it's now second and two. And so it's just like, once again, we go into a bye week and, and then on the other side, it's Illinois and the FBS leading rusher, Chase Brown. And you're going to have to be able to make an initial tackle or at least slow them up to allow a couple other guys to come and help you take down number two. Yeah. I mean, I, that it, one of the things that's kind of fun in a weird way about this Purdue game is it's probably the last team Nebraska will see built this way. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is just going to be, this is what we are. Figure out how yeah. you're going to try to stop it. And yeah. I don't know that Nebraska can, I honestly felt like they were better. They had a better chance of catching Purdue on an off night passing the ball. And Aiden O'Connell, for as good as he was, he gave Nebraska a few opportunities, and they took one of them. They did, but they couldn't. They couldn't make another key one. And some of that is just simply he was way more elusive in the pocket than Nebraska was prepared for. I mean, they missed probably five sacks last night, or at least. At yeah. least five opportunities where he was in the backfield where someone had a hand on him, and it did not result in a sack at any point in time. Well, and, and I'll, I'll even add to that point, Shafe. Like Nebraska, how many times on third and long they would get finally in a situation where it was third and eight or farther back for Purdue, and especially at the end of the game there on, on the last drive. It would be third and 11, I believe it was, in the fourth quarter. Nebraska rushes three. They don't get a whole lot of pressure on them, but they, they drop eight. And they still find Charlie Jones for 14 yards when they needed 11. And it's just like, it, I'm fine with that. If, if you want to drop eight, that's fine. Because, frankly, you weren't getting a ton of pressure on him when you were rushing four or even bringing five to the quarterback. But if you want to drop eight, that's fine. But there should be no room for, 
you know, consecutive completions of 14 plus yards when you're dropping eight guys. Yeah. But well. but Purdue was able to find the open space in the zones and right. like or or Nebraska was just kind of just out there and once again it's just missed tackles yards after catch and it, it was just kind of frustrating because you would finally get into a, a spot where it's third and eleven and an opportunity to get off the field which Nebraska's defense needed to just one time just one one stop and they couldn't do it because even when they dropped eight. And it's just, it was just really, really frustrating. Yeah, well, some of that is they just don't have guys that are capable of making plays. And you look at Charlie Jones, I mean, when he's healthy and he's still kind of banged up, I mean, he's really good. That's yeah. uh, that's a guy who just – that catch he made on a ball that he sort of had to trap against the defender's arm and then corral it back over, I think it was against Newsom. I mean, he's just a really, really good player. We've also gone like 25 minutes without talking much about Trey Palmer. So yeah. I feel like I uh, I feel like I should sneak that in here as we're gonna finish this up. Uh, a couple weeks ago on the Husker twenty four seven podcast, I apologized profusely for being completely and utterly wrong about Trey Palmer. Um, I don't think I need to apologize again because I've already done that once. But he's been really, really good, and Nebraska would be in a lot worse position without him. So yeah, the most 100%. obvious basic analysis that I can give you, which is clearly what people are listening to for this show. Um, <laughs> You know, that's uh, that's what I got. Trey Palmer equals good. Yeah, I, very good. Uh, very good. And and like we've said a couple times throughout this conversation, don't know where, don't want to know where Nebraska would be without Trey Palmer. Um, and they, they went out and got another Sunday-esque wide receiver in the transfer portal. And we, I mean, you know this, Shafe, there, there were a couple NFL scouts there last night. And if if Trey Palmer keeps on putting up performances, not necessarily to that degree, but to close, you know, hundred plus yards games, there I, I would be shocked to see him here next year, just because he's that type of explosive talent. And um, frankly, like Nebraska is still in this place of of coach instability right now. And and if you're Trey Palmer, it's the same kind of situation um, as before, where it's do I come back and and maybe win four or five games with I don't know who my coach is or do I go to the NFL draft and test the waters there. Um, but Nebraska's found it. I mean, they found an NFL type wide receiver in Samari Toure last year and they used him a lot. You, I mean, you know, that 75 yard post pattern from Adrian Martinez to Samari Toure was, was the the bread and butter for Nebraska's offense last year. Um, and, and now it's Trey Palmer down the field. Cause we all know the meme bleep it. It's Trey Palmer's down there somewhere. My favorite part is it just became apparent. It's like, Every third play, he's just going to run as fast as he can yeah. on a straight yeah. line, and we'll see what they can do. And for yeah. whatever reason, Purdue is just never prepared for it. Nope. Like it's nope. just he got behind guys at such a high clip last night. It was uh, it was really impressive. There really was impressive. also there was also one on the interception. I think it was Casey's. I want to say second interception. That it was more of like a wheel route type of thing. Yep. They, they like acted like he was going to be in a, in a screen. And then he like bolted up the up the sideline. He was open. He could have he could have scored a bad on that pass. play. It was just a bad pass. Yep. And um, I mean, on top of that, the, the missed pass in the end zone to Alante Brown was was really frustrating as well. Yeah, not a great uh, not a great Casey Thompson game. And I don't know that we're probably going to see another great Casey Thompson game, given the defenses, given his injuries, given the offensive line. But uh, we'll see. That's why they play the football games. I I mean. I thought Nebraska had a real chance to win going into last night. 
And then early on in that game, it felt like they were going to have to do everything to not get the floors or not have the doors blown off. Um, yeah. And they were able to do that. And so you got to give them credit. Um, they made that a one score game. But man, it, that's such an empty feeling the next morning. You either win or you don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, ex- I agree. And I was I'm right there with you. Like they were down, uh, what, however many points they were at halftime. And it was like, man, it just feels like Nebraska right from the get go was playing from behind the eight ball. And despite getting the turnover on Purdue's first, uh, you know, uh, possession. And it just felt like Nebraska was always playing from behind. And once again, when the defense just needed to make one stop, one stop, well, they did, I suppose, in the third quarter, but then you go three and out. Mm-hmm. Um, you just needed to make one more stop. And, and there were a lot of situations there, uh, especially in the fourth quarter where it was third and eight, third and six, third and 11, and you couldn't get, couldn't get off the field. Yep, no doubt about it. Nick, appreciate your time here on the Sunday side session. Yeah, appreciate it, man. This was fun. Where can people hear you daily? You're you're yeah. going to be a new name for a lot of people. Yeah, so you can obviously, as Schaefer said early on, uh, 93.7 The Ticket. I'm on the uh, the drive with AD and Raph in the mornings from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then I am on uh, the happy hour from 1 to 2 every single day uh, on 93.7 The Ticket. Then obviously uh, after the games, uh, Husker after party post game show, and, and then various high school stuff as well on the ticket. Look at that. He is the new utility infielder for 93.7 The Ticket. <laughs> exactly. They've always got one, and uh, it's now Nick Sainer. <laughs> Nick, appreciate your time. Everybody else, be sure to stop by Husker247.com. Michael Bruns, Brian Christopherson were at the game last night. Plenty of coverage up, plenty of post-game coverage, plenty of look-ahead coverage, and a big bye week ahead where we will continue to dive into Nebraska's coaching search, a little bit of recruiting talk, and, of course, Malachi Coleman decides mm-hmm. next Saturday – at 5 p.m. So plenty of coverage leading up to all of those things at Husker 24-7. We'll catch you with another podcast next week. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.